All right, so I've got some bad news and I've got some good news. What do you want first? All right, the bad news is this is going to be another really tough message. Uh, yeah, I was taught, we, uh, Sue and I and Derek and Angie, we were up in Austin doing some training for a church on discipleship and, and uh, people are at, so like, what are you preaching on? I'm like, James, like, oh. <laughs> so the bad news is, is today's going to be another tough message. Uh, but the good news is as you're turning to James chapter five, the great news is, is that this message is obviously for other people. All right, so that's going to be the, the really good news because the reason I know that he's talking to other people and not me and maybe not you is because he's talking to rich people. And last weekend, I had to pay for another wedding. Uh, I've got another one in August and then the co- kid going off to college. So I just, I'm broke. So again, we know that this message can't possibly be for me or for us. But here's the thing, you know, I was, I was thinking about how do you define rich? Because I've had people that have great wealth and they don't even think they're rich because they think of other people that have more than them and they think that they're rich, right? And so again, how do we define? So I I went to the internet. I just wanted to see, like, what do we define as rich? Like, what does that look like? And so here's what I found. That the average person, okay, so that when, when you look at statistics and all that kind of stuff, if you personally make more than $28,500 a year. You make more than 50, before taxes, you make more than 50% of the country, okay? If you make $28,500 a year, you make more than 50% of the country. If your household income, your median household income is more than $100,000 a year, you make more than 80% of the country, so you'd be considered rich if your household median income is more before taxes, but it's $100,000 or more. You make more than 80% of the country, okay? Now, when you stretch that out to the world, when you stretch it out and you begin to put all your income and everybody puts their income and all that kind of stuff, and you stretch it out to the whole world, the median household income across the world is $10,000 a year, Okay? And if you live in Burundi, which we have some friends that are missionaries there, if you live in Burundi, the average, the yearly average income or the average yearly income is $673 a year. So here's what I want you to do. Turn to the person next to you. Go ahead and turn to the person next to you, even if you don't know them, and say, we're rich. rich. Yes, you came to church today and found out you're rich. In fact, let's just take an offering out of celebration for that. No, but that, that's the good news, right? You can call your relatives and say, man, I found out I'm rich. Don't tell your kids, right? Because they'll be like, right? But here's, so that's the good news. The bad news is since we just found out we're rich, it sounds like James might be talking to us after all. And here's what James is going after. And we, he's, this has been the whole theme of the entire book. It's saying, Christians, listen, you need to wake up. You need to wake up, Christians, because faith without deeds, your faith is dead. Your faith is useless this side of heaven. It's not a salvation issue. He's saying, listen, when you choose to know what Scripture has to say about the error of your finances and you choose not to use it, your faith is useless in that area. 
If you know what the Bible says to do in your marriage and you don't apply it in your marriage, your faith is useless in the marriage. And so what God is going after and what James is trying to help us understand in this area of finances is he's going to help us have a better understanding that there's a day coming that we're going to give an account and he wants us to be prepared for that. So he's saying, Christians, listen, you need to wake up. So as we get to James chapter five, getting to verse one, just remember, we already took our offering, all right? In fact, we do that, I actually do that on purpose because the last thing I want you to think is that you're being manipulated, you're being set up for some big give at the end. That's not happening, so relax, all right? James chapter five, verse one, check this out. He says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. I mean, James goes back to like Old Testament prophet type of stuff, right? He's saying, listen, you need rich people, you rich Christians, you need to weep and wail because of the misery that's coming. And he's saying, listen, you've, the reason you need to weep and wail is because you've forgotten that something's coming. You've, you've, you've misunderstood, you've overlooked that there is a day that is coming. The money that has been a source of security for you is now going to be a source of embarrassment for you. The, the, the very money that you have that's been a source of comfort for you one day is going to be a source of pain for you because there's coming a day, rich people, that's me, that's you, that's if you pretty much live in America for the most part, that is probably true for many of us, not all of us, but probably for many of us. And again, he's saying, listen, there's coming a day when you're going to wish you weren't so rich. And again, if you're, you know, if you're a person of means, and again, that means all of us based purely on you know, world statistics. And again, you're thinking like, whoa, 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 James, did you, walk up, did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed this morning? Like, like, why are you so angry? Like, why are you so mad? Like, why are you taking it out on rich people? Like, why, why, why are you so over the top with this stuff? Isn't it okay to save for retirement? Verse two, your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. In other words, he's saying, listen, let me tell you why you need to weep and mourn. It's because you have so much stuff that you don't even use. Like you've got closets full of clothes that you don't even wear. You've got clothes in your closet that still have tags on them that you haven't worn. You've got clothes that are still in bags with tags that have receipts that you didn't return. Maybe that's just my house, all right? I don't know. But again, he's saying, listen, you need to weep and mourn because you've got stuff. You've got more than you need. In fact, in that culture, clothes were incredibly valuable. Incredibly valuable. Now, again, clothes are, are valuable, but, but, but that day, most, most adults had the same clothes their whole life because they were so expensive. And so James is saying, hey, rich people, I, you know, he's saying, listen, you have so many clothes that you can't even wear them fast enough because moths are starting to eat them, that you have more than enough money because you're not using all of it so that your money is rusting because, again, it wasn't paper. And James, now, he decides to get 
just get down to business on this. And he goes on, he says, their corrosion, that Greek word literally means poison. So he's saying, when you don't use it the way that God intended for you to use it, it's gonna, it's not gonna be a source of security for you. It's gonna be a source of poison for you. So he says, their corrosion will testify against you. That's, that's a courtroom terminology where he's saying it's going to become evidence against you. He says, it will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. And James is saying, listen, I want to help you understand there's a day coming. Listen, you just need, you need to understand this. Whether you want to believe it or not, I'm just telling you, it's coming. That you and I, all of us, it's not just you, it's me too. We are all gonna stand before God and give an account for the time, talents, resources, finances, spouse, you know, our, our, our families, our kids, right? We're going to give an account for everything that God has given. We're gonna give account for how we've handled, how we've mishandled, or how we've hoarded our stuff. And God says, listen, and James wants to understand, it's going to be used as evidence against us. So James continues, if that wasn't enough. Verse four, he says, look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. He says, not only do you have more than you need, He's saying, you're not willing to pay an honest day's wage to the people that have helped you become wealthy because you think you need it all for you. And so James is saying, you need to know this. God's paying attention. And he's listening to the cries of those that you've mistreated. God's paying attention and he's listening to the cries of the people that have suffered because of your greed. And so he's saying, you've kept blessing from them because you wanted more for yourself. And then he goes on, verse five. He says, you've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgent. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. And so again, the imagery that we would have, and, and again, the audience would have clearly understood this as, as just customary. They would have taken a calf and they would have put it aside as that would become the fattened calf. It would be for a day of celebration and they, they would continue to feed this particular calf and over and over again. So when James is saying it, they know that there was gonna come a day where they would take the fattened calf. You probably know this when you, when you think of the, the story of the, uh, of the father whose son spoiled all his stuff and then he comes back the prodigal son. You might remember that story. And he says, hey, here's a robe, here's sandals, here's a ring and go get the fattened calf, right? It would be that kind of thing of saying, hey, listen, we want to get the fattened calf and we're going to celebrate. And so they would have done that and they would have slaughtered it and they would have had meat to eat more and more and more meat to eat. And so what James is trying to help us understand, he says, you know what you've done? Here's what you've done. You've taken what God has given you and you've fattened yourself of help instead of helping others and you're gonna stand before God and you're going to give an account for all of this. And again, just my natural thing as I look at this text and go, this isn't me. This isn't me, I'm not rich. I don't, I don't mistreat people. I don't, I don't do those kind of things. But unfortunately, see, we want to naturally, we just want to compare ourselves to others. And what James is saying, listen, we're rich. 
And so unfortunately, he's talking to us, and he goes on, verse 6, he says, you've condemned and murdered. And this word murder, he's talking about a judicial murder, which, which what he's talking about is, is that they had this ability to take away other people's ability to make a living. And so he says, you've condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. So he's saying, listen, some of you have gone so far to leverage your wealth, to leverage your influence, to leverage your money, your position, and you've taken advantage of other people that couldn't do anything for themselves. And one day, you and I will stand accountable before God for the money that he's given us. And he says, and some of you, that money will become a source of embarrassment and pain, not security, not comfort. Aren't you glad you came to Side Life this morning? <laughs> I mean, this is brutal. I mean, it's the stuff that I'm going, yeah, I'm not even going to be welcome back here next week, right? I mean, because again, when you, when you open this up, again, it's just, it, it can be so difficult to wrestle through. And that's the beauty of just kind of working through the scriptures. Amen. It's not because we're low in our giving <laughs> that we're having this message. We're not doing a capital campaign. We're just working through what God has to say in the book of James. And again, if you're a guest or you would consider yourself not a Christian, I just want you to know we're not asking you to give. That's between you and God. Amen. But we want you to come and we want you to know and embrace Jesus. And this is why we take the offering ahead of time because we're not gonna use this platform to try to manipulate or guilt you to give. Right. We just believe it's a discipleship issue. It's a maturing issue. And so the problem is, we, as we go back to the text, is the problem that we see with the audience that James is talking to. The problem is not that they have a lot of money. The problem isn't that you might have a lot of money. And again, a lot is relative, right? But again, when, you, when you're looking at what James is talking to, God is not condemning people for making money. God is not condemning people for saving or being wealthy. Why is that? Because God is the one who distributes the wealth. So he's not going to blame you for having it because he's the one that's given it to you. The problem was what they were doing with what they had. And so they assumed, listen, this is the assumption. If God gives me more than I need, the assumption that we make is that it all must be for me. That's the assumption. And what James is getting at is that you're not as generous as you could be when you had the opportunity to leverage your money and your influence for the kingdom and to bless others. But instead, what you've chosen to do is you fattened yourself, you fattened your bank account, you fattened your retirement plans at the expense of maybe what I want to do for somebody or for some other part of the world. Amen. See, here's the deal. When I forget... I'm just going to tell you, this is, this is me. When I forget why God has given me more than I need, the natural tendency, the natural temptation, and the natural tug on my heart is to think that he's given that to me for me to spend on me or my family 
or my retirement. And what do I do? I will naturally lean towards raising my lifestyle. And see, here's what I know. I know some of you, as we, as, as we talk through this this morning, here's going to be the challenge. You're going to say, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Are you, are you telling me that we shouldn't save money? We shouldn't plan for the future? Of course not. That's, those are biblical principles to save. I mean, the reason we do Financial Peace University is because there are things that, that Ramsey teaches that are so biblically driven and biblically based that we want you to go through it. Why? Because we think it's wise to save. It's wise to have retirement. And again, do I think you should have a plan? Absolutely. The problem is, and what James is getting at, is that when you are so out of balance and you're not prioritizing the things that are most important to God, he's saying, listen, and you just choose to consume it on your Yourselves, he's saying, you have lost perspective. Amen. So let me ask you, why is it that so many of us in this room, God has given us more than we need? I just want you to think about it. Why has God given us more than we need? And probably, if you're being brutally honest, you would sit there and go, oh, he hasn't. Bob must, yeah, you got, you're talking to obviously other people because it's not me because I'm having a hard time just making ends meet. I'm having a hard time paying for my, my house. I'm having a hard time paying for my multiple cars. I'm having a hard time paying for all the cell phones for my kids. I'm having a hard time paying for the, you know, for, uh, uh, the, the cable. I'm having a hard time paying for all the food. I'm having a hard time when we eat out all the time. I mean, you know, hey, this is hard, right? I obviously don't have more than I need. And what you're gonna have to wrestle with, this isn't me to determine this for you, what you're gonna have to wrestle with is what does God see as needs versus wants. That's right. Right. And you're gonna have to determine that with God. But do you know why? Do you know why God has given you more than you need? It's really simple. We've just made it really hard. I want you to imagine for a moment that, uh, so my youngest now is a senior in high school. And, uh, but imagine when he was younger, his name's Seth, and, and I'm gonna take him to a park. And we have a lunch for Seth, and we're gonna take one of his friends, and his mom made him a lunch. And so we get to the park, and we're gonna play ball, and we're gonna have fun, and we're gonna do all kinds of stuff. And then, then you know, and then around lunchtime, they're starving, right? They're just so hungry, and so, okay, we get their lunches out, and Seth gets his lunch out, and he takes a sandwich, and he's got his chips, and his buddy, you know, his mom packed him a sandwich, and, and he's got chips, and of course, you, you know, you got to wash it down with something, so he's got his drink, and his buddy's got his drink, and they've got, he's got an apple, and because, you know, you got to have some dessert, right, and he's got an apple. Do you, are you following me? So they, they're sitting down, and they've got, they've, they've eaten their sandwich, they've eaten their chips, they've washed it down with their drink, they both got an apple, right, everything good. And then all of a sudden, Seth looks in his bag, and he's got these chocolate chip cookies. And his buddy, his buddy doesn't have any. Now, come on. In that moment, what do you think that you would want to see? It, as a parent, as a parent, what do you think I'm going to say to his friend? Sorry, sucker, I guess I wish your mom would have packed you some cookies, right? Is that what a responsible good parent? Like, I guess your mom doesn't love you as much as Seth's mom loved him, right? No, you're not gonna say that stuff. 
you're probably gonna look at your son because he has four chocolate chip cookies and his friend has none. Guess what? Before you, you, it so makes so much sense. You're gonna say, son, you need to share. Yeah, it's easy. We know that. Why? Because Seth has four and the kid has zero. And so I'm gonna say, Seth, you need to share with your friend. And guess what a little kid's gonna say? But dad, these are, yeah, look at you know. You know, right? But they're mine. But son, listen, they, he doesn't have any. And you've been, you have four, can't you? But dad, they're mine. Son, do you realize those really, yeah, you might think they're yours, but I'm the one that actually bought those cookies. Those cookies are mine that I've actually given to you, right? Makes total sense. And, and, and again, when, when, when you're sitting there having that conversation, when you're, when you're saying, son, you know, you need to share and they're struggling with it, why? It's because they're selfish or because they're a little greedy with their stuff, right? What would happen to you as a parent without any prompting on your end and your child all of a sudden sees that they don't have any and they have been given a few. And so they said, just out of their own initiative, decided to give a couple of his cookies. Hey man, do you want a couple of my cookies? Amen. You know, if all of a sudden they did that, would you sit there and go, oh, there goes the free enterprise system right there. My child does not understand ownership, right? Or would you be so proud of them? You'd be so pleased with your kid because they saw they have more than they need. Yeah, they, they might want all four of them, but they have more than they, and somebody else doesn't. You see them take the initiative to give the other person something of theirs and you would celebrate them and you'd be excited. Why? Because he understood in that moment that the reason I have more isn't for me to consume more, but it's to be able to bless and to give to others. Think about it. God has given you more than you need. Do you know why? Because there are others who are in need. It's why God's blessed you with more. It's just not to only consume it on yourself. And see, it's so easy when we see this with kids. It's so easy to see it in our children. And when we see that in our kids, we say, oh, you're selfish and it's greedy. But when we see it with us, it's responsible. <laughs> right? And here's the challenge. Our challenge is you think it's all yours. See, when I said about the cookie, it's so funny. It was so funny in first service when I said, oh, yeah, it, it, these aren't your cookies. These are my, I'm the one that bought that and they're clapping. I'm like, hold on. Cause it's coming back. Right. Cause let me ask you, see, these, these are, I'd say, these are my cookies. And God says, listen, all the resources you have are mine Amen. and I've entrusted them to you. Amen. So for you to think that they're yours is greed. Right. And I've given them to you because I want you to be a blessing and an extension of me to the people around you. That's right. See, that's why, that's why God is entrusted to us. That's why he's given it. He's given it to us to share. And the New Testament is clear that God is going to give you treasures in heaven when you have the opportunity, when you have the opportunity that you can spend it on yourself, but instead you choose to be a blessing to others. Amen. Now listen, I know I know this can be a frustrating message. 
And this isn't just a message for y'all. This is a message for me, for every single one of us in this room of wrestling through because it can feel, right? It can feel like all of a sudden we're at odds, biblically. Like, okay, so if God gives me more, like, is it wrong to have stuff? No, it's not wrong to have stuff. It's okay to have things. Well, should I not, you know, plan for retirement? Absolutely, you should plan for retirement. You should put money away. You, you should save. Should I have a will? And absolutely, you should have a will. You should know where your stuff's going. You should know who it's gonna go to. You should, you should know all that stuff. And let me tell you, you should also have a plan of how you're gonna fund the kingdom of God. Amen. Not just your retirement, not just for your future, but for your future future when you're standing before God where you will choose to lower your lifestyle so that you can free up some money in order to resource the kingdom work and people of God. Amen. He's called every single one of us to do that. And I just know, I know this because it happens with me. I just know the natural gravitational pull of my heart in these moments is to think I'm the owner And so when I get more than I need, the natural pull is to think, how can I spend it on me? How can I spend it on my family? How can I spend it on my retirement? And James is saying, listen, folks, Christians, listen to me. I wanna help you avoid that trap because I don't want when you stand before God for that to be a time of embarrassment and pain because the day's coming when you're gonna stand before God and give an account for your finances. So I just, want, I just wanna give you two applicable ways. That, so when James is talking about faith without deeds, I wanna give you some application, just two things, two simple things, and then we're gonna wrap up. Here's two ways that you can plan to prioritize kingdom work financially. The first thing is that you need to choose a percentage of your income that you're gonna to choose to give away. You need to choose it. And again, how much do I give away? What, what, you know, how much do I give to the church? How much do I give to other things? What, do I, you know, what is it? And again, so much, so much of this stuff, you and God need to work this stuff out. I'm just gonna tell you, in the Old Testament, they talk about tithing. In the New Testament, I really believe it teaches sacrificial, generous giving. Amen. And so as you wrestle with God of what that looks like, here's, here's, so when people ask me personally, I say, start at 10. The Old Testament started at 10. That's just what actually was more than that, to be honest with you. But if you just started at 10 and you take it off your gross, not your net, and you just say, God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give the, the, the first, and I'm going to be generous with this. And God, I, I, again, I want to grow in this area because you want to prioritize this. Listen, the reason a percentage is so critical to do is like I, over the years, I've had to take pay cuts you know, because of economy stuff or whatever happened. And, and, uh, and so guess what? My percentage didn't change. The giving number changed because my salary went down. Or if my salary goes up, the giving goes up. But God's gonna continue to get what he has asked and, and prioritized in my heart Amen. to be able to give to fund his work. And so you choose a percentage of your income. Because again, this is a discipleship issue. And the reason I will never shy away from talking about money is because it doesn't drive me. And I know for some of you, it's a, it's a super sore, difficult conversation. And I'm sorry for that. 
But if we're gonna be a church that makes and sends disciples who love and live like Jesus, and it's a spiritual maturity issue, we have to talk about it just like we would talk about Bible reading and prayer and all those other things. Because why? Because Jesus says, where the treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that means as soon as you get your check. So the second thing, so if you're gonna prioritize, you're, gonna, you're just gonna have a percentage of your income. The second thing is you're gonna make that percentage a priority. So you're gonna choose a percentage and then make that percentage a priority. Choose a percentage, make the percentage a priority. And that means as soon as you get your check, the first thing that comes out is your tithe to the Lord, whatever you're gonna give, whatever that percentage is. You're just gonna give that to the Lord. We give online just because that's how I do my banking. And so we just have done this for years. Before, they just would just take it right out of my check. Now, uh, they don't do it here like that. So guess what? I just, every, every two, every certain times of the month, just boom, just goes, right? It's just gonna be the priority is that this goes to the Lord. What we don't want you to do, so if you wanna give online, you can text to give, you can do those envelopes, whatever, whatever you wanna do. You just make it a priority. And you want to make sure that you give to God first. Why? Because he says, give me out of the first fruits. And why is that? James is helping us understand. You need to put action to your faith, to your faith. So God is first. If I pay my bills first and then I look at what's left over and then I try to figure out what I'm going to give to God, I'm telling you, your treasure is here on this earth. And so he's saying, no, you prioritize me. Remember the Ten Commandments? We went back and said, God, you know, choose to you know, honor God first. And again, that's part of it. And so you're saying, God, I want to communicate. And if you struggle with this, I'm going to tell you something. If you struggle with this, I get it. But here's probably where you struggle. You struggle because you feel like the church wants your money. You think the preacher just wants your money. Because you have an owner mentality. You think, the, you think the cookies are yours. And God's saying, you're a steward, you're a manager of my stuff. I'm the owner, you're the manager. Now listen to me. If I gave you a million dollars, you preach it, I'll take it, right? If I, yeah, if I gave you a million dollars, listen to me, if I gave you a million dollars and I said, you get to keep 90% of my money, all I'm asking you is to give me 10% back of my money, you'd take that deal every time, wouldn't you? You wouldn't even hesitate. So when we hesitate and we struggle, it's because we no longer think it's God's, we think it's ours. And so I'm freed up to say, God, thank you for letting me keep 90% of what you've given to me. I've just got to adjust my lifestyle to be able to work within the means that you've entrusted to me. Before I came uh, a number of years ago, uh, even before I went to Fort Myers, uh, I was a pastor at a church in Austin. And we were there for a little over 10 years. There's a guy there uh, that had a net worth of $450 million, and he gave a $5 million gift uh, to the church, uh, specifically for an auditorium, and, and, uh, which is a great gift. And, and, and again, you know, he, he felt really good about it. He felt like it was a really generous gift. And, and, uh, but within that year, because of a number of things that happened with the market and different stuff, he lost. 400 million dollars 
400 million. And he was weeping, not because he lost the 400 million, because he still had 45 million left. He was weeping, no joke, because in that moment he realized, I could have given $400 million to the kingdom of God and I didn't because I was greedy. I could have funded so many things for kingdom work and seen who knows how many hundreds, thousands, who knows of people come to know Jesus all around the world. But instead, I lost it all. And he had great regret. Listen to me, I don't know what Jesus is asking of you today. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means for you. There's not gonna be another offering, right? We're not asking you to give. Please hear me. This message is not about what I want from you. I can tell you this, it's what I want for you. Because all of us are gonna stand before God and give an account. Listen to me, if you don't trust me, that's okay. If you don't trust me, give to another church. Don't let your perception or your bias or your fear to cause you to be in disobedience towards God. Amen. I'd much rather you give to another church and you be obedient and then go to that church and serve in that church. But I don't want to see you find yourself embarrassed one day when you stand before God and give an account in this area. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do with what God's given you? What are you going to do when God gives you more? Are you going to choose to be a priority percentage giver so that when you and I stand before God, Here's what I want to hear. Well done. My good and faithful servant. Great is your reward. Let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for your word, even though it's not easy. Because, Lord, you, you, you speak to these areas that we wrestle and we struggle with. And so oftentimes, we keep some pretty tight, grips on what we believe is our stuff. And so anytime somebody else starts talking about taking my stuff, we can get really challenged in that area. And so God, I just pray that you would help us as a church continuously believe and teach and live out that we're purely just stewards of your stuff. So Lord, that we can walk around with open hands and to be a blessing to the people around us in our community, in our neighborhoods, in this church, around the world. God, you're you're doing unbelievable stuff. As as I talk to to friends that, like Richard, who left, and they're seeing the church just to grow in Germany. Lord, as we have an opportunity, as I have an opportunity at the end of March to go to the Dominican and start helping with some church plants there. Lord, as we're starting to see in in Haiti and different places that we get a chance to be a part of and as we invite the church body to be more involved, Lord, not just just globally, but in this community, God, that you, this would be a place, this would be a church where we are so generous that we can be an absolute blessing 
to the people around so that you get the credit, so that you get the glory, and it's your name, Jesus, that is magnified above all other names. So God, thank you in advance for that. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.